Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Medicine has come a long way from the days of bloodletting and drilling holes in skulls to release the demons. The more we learn about the human body, the better we get at curing what ails us. Surgeries are more precise, computerized scans give us a clear picture of what might be going on inside us, and tiny cameras can access areas previously unseen. But some problems cannot be cut out or removed. In fact, some problems can't be fixed at all. But that doesn't mean we can't try. Back in 1917, one man believed that he could cure the brain of a common and debilitating disease, one that plagued humanity across the globe. That man was Nikola Tesla, the inventor and electrical engineer known for his work on the modern alternating current. Decades before we could charge our phones and earbuds simply by dropping them onto an inductive charging pad, Tesla was working on a way to transmit AC power from his Tesla coil using inductive and capacitive coupling. That's just a fancy way of saying that he was inventing wireless lighting. He was even seen on stage a few times, lighting various tubes and incandescent bulbs from several feet away. Tesla poured his heart and soul into electricity. He wanted to change the world with it, from wireless power to bladeless turbines. Edison gets all the credit these days, but Tesla was the true genius. However, there was one area where the ingenious inventor saw a perfect application for his new technology, the medical field. Tesla noticed that one of his assistants was performing tests with high-frequency current, but wasn't following directions properly. After a while, though, and with more exposure to the current, the assistant started doing better. Tesla was quoted as saying, A high-frequency current intensifies the action of the brain. It is a mental stimulant like alcohol, but instead of hurtful to the brain cells, the electricity is beneficial. He believed that he could use high-frequency current to improve brain functions. In other words, Nikola Tesla wanted to electrocute the stupidity out of people. To test his theory, he sought out a group of people whose brains had not fully developed. Children. Tesla hypothesized that special wiring inside the insulated walls of school classrooms could amplify millions of electric waves into the local atmosphere, waking up dormant brain cells in the fresh-faced kiddos. And he put that hypothesis to work in Stockholm, Sweden. Two different classrooms were used, one of which was outfitted with Tesla's special wiring. Fifty children sat in that room while another fifty sat in a normal classroom, without the wiring. Both groups completed their schoolwork each day over the course of six months, with one set of kids getting bombarded by electric waves in the air the whole time. According to Tesla's findings, the end of the six-month project saw the children in the wired room grow by two and a half inches, 
while those in the normal room only grew by one and a quarter inches. The electrified children also gained weight and became more physically developed than their counterparts next door. But the most important question, of course, was how did their brains fare while exposed to a constant flow of electric current? Well, unsurprisingly, the children in the room that wasn't wired performed the same as they had at the start of the study. The other kids, however, saw a stark change. They averaged a 20% increase in their grades compared to those in the regular classroom. Tesla's research became quite popular. After all, imagine what could be accomplished with a quick jolt to the brain. Of course, we know how that turned out. For decades, hospitals and mental facilities used electroshock machines to induce seizures and modify the brain's functions, especially to cure various mental disorders. And though many places have banned the practice, it's still used today all over the world, despite its controversial effects. But Nikola Tesla didn't think about that. He just wanted to make us all smarter the only way he knew how, by electrifying the stupid out of us, one current at a time. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. There's no real proof that constant exposure to electric current can improve one's intelligence. Put another way, as blue-collar comedian Ron White has often said, you can't fix stupid. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Everyone makes mistakes. But as anyone who was picked on at school can tell you, people are often remembered for their tiniest slip-ups. They're given nicknames and often become the butts of countless jokes. But not Monica. For one English writer, her faux pas didn't lead to a life of shame. It actually gave a name to one of the most recognizable dialects in the world. Monica, often called Monty by her family and friends, was born in Paris, France in 1915. But she was raised in London. Her parents were fairly wealthy, and Monty, being from a well-to-do family, was expected to follow certain customs of her social class. However, she refused, choosing instead to be something of an iconoclast. For one, she was expelled from her private girls' school after she chucked her uniform into the Thames River. Monty had been on her way to court to be presented as a debutante. She also chose to work as a cook and servant rather than enjoy the life of leisure that would have been afforded to her. 
In fact, Monty did a number of jobs throughout her life. She was a nurse, a factory worker, and she worked for a small-town newspaper. The amount of experience that she acquired could have filled several books, which it did. You see, Monty was also a prolific author. She used her time as a cook and a nurse and all her other occupations to fuel her true passion, writing. Her first book, One Pair of Hands, was published in 1939 and told the story of her time as a domestic servant. Her 1942 memoir, One Pair of Feet, described her work as a nurse during World War II. Over the course of her career, Monty wrote dozens of books for both adults and children, going on to great literary success. Then, in the 1950s, Monty married an officer in the United States Navy, and the two moved to America to raise a family. And she continued to write, publishing a new book nearly every year or two for the next 30 years. But it was on a trip to Sydney, Australia in 1964, where Monty would make a mistake that would change the future of an entire country and its language. She was at a book signing when a young woman approached her. In her hands was a copy of one of Monty's books. She held it out and asked, how much is it? But Monty couldn't understand the woman's Australian accent. She thought the customer had said her name. And so Monty inscribed the book to one, Emma Chizit. The story of the misunderstanding made its way to a man named Alistair Ardock Morrison, an Australian writer and graphic artist. He saw an opportunity to capitalize on an honest mistake and have a bit of fun at Monty's expense in the process. He adopted the pseudonym Afrobeck Lauder, a variation on the phrase alphabetical order, as if it had been said in an Australian accent. Under his new moniker, Morrison wrote a number of articles for the Sydney Morning Herald about the strange and exotic dialect that had perplexed Monica. He called it Strine. Say it out loud and you might be able to hear its origins. It's how the word Australian might sound in that accent. Morrison wrote several books on Strine, in which he took on the persona of Afrobeck Lauder, professor of Strine studies at the University of Sydney, with Sydney being the Strine form of Sydney. The books detailed the fictional professor's journey with the dialect. Within their pages, readers were given phonetic diagrams of different words and phrases that had been translated from Strine into common English. Morrison even published a dictionary jam-packed with entries for things like split nair dyke, Frafley, and Agnisher. Did you catch those? They were the Strine versions of phrases splitting headache, frightfully, and air conditioner. Morrison kept the identity of Afrobeck Lauder hidden for only a few years. The truth finally came out in 1968, but that didn't negate the work he had done for Australian culture. In fact, the country adopted the term Strine as the official description of its accent and thought there might be variations depending on where in Australia it's spoken or the speaker's social status. It's all Strine in the end. As for Monty, well, she didn't let her gaff get her down. She continued to write and publish books for the rest of her life. After all, it was in her blood, literally. Monica Monty Dickens was none other than the great-granddaughter of the legendary English author Charles Dickens. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.